I always tell people, even if you're thinking about buying another house, go ahead and get a home equity line available to you now. Because not to get like technically into mortgages, but your down payment cannot, the only time your down payment can be a loan is secured property. So you can use your equity from one house to buy another house. And that's important too. What's up, family? Welcome to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. My name is Lamar Tyler. I'm your host, and we're here to talk all things black business, black wealth. And guess what? Today, we're going to continue the conversation with Tanya Blanchard. She's the CEO of Madison Chase Capital Advisors, a mortgage loan advisory firm. And I'm so excited because today we get to talk about real estate. Amen. And generational wealth through yes. real estate. Right, and I know that's kind of like what you really like to dive into, um, but welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Super excited. Thank you for having me. Now, this is all. Now, before we jump into it, um, I always like to ask people about their backgrounds sure. and how they got into it. Like, you were not like just born into mortgage loans. No, <laughs> you know, no, right? I was like, like no, you were in I high school. Not, no. Like, my next step right. is to do no, mortgage. my no, my my background's always been finance. So, um, years ago, I worked for Payne Weber in New York City, and I got my okay. Series Seven and sixty three. Um, you know, first job was at a bank as a teller. So I've always been in finance and how I actually got into mortgages was actually in the middle. I had just was recently divorced mm -hmm. and I was selling health insurance at the time. And I was thinking, what could I do? I just didn't want to miss my my children were small at the time, and I just didn't want to miss, you know, Thanksgiving lunch and dinners, you know, and can I take off from work? So I made the move to step out on faith and go 100% commission um, as a loan officer. And recently divorced, um, I believe money muddles things, so I did no alimony, no child support, and I was like, okay, this is it. You know, I just jumped off the building without the parachute. <laughs> no, did you say 100%? I've been 100% commission for 19 years. Wow, wow, okay, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, because that is different than most people, because that's like no security, that's all security out the door, really, I was talking about entrepreneurship being, you know, you gotta go out and hunt. Right. And like, hey, you know what, if, if I wanna eat, I gotta go out and kill something yep. to get that food. So that literally is living that lifestyle. How different was that for you when you started living that When that I lifestyle? first started it, the first year was definitely, you know, two small children, you mm -hmm. know, rent, you know, car note. It was definitely overwhelming. Um, the first year, I think I always told, right, I made like $16,000 my first year. But my second year, I made 105000 mm. And I was at 50% commission. So I really made two ten, if you really think right. about it. Um, but what I loved about it is that I, it enabled me to not have an income cap on my a cap on my income. Mm -hmm. You know, how much money I work, make is really what I do. So although it seems scary at the beginning, I would say probably by year three, I didn't even feel like I was 100% commissioned. Because mm. you just learn, you just got to keep that pipeline full. You have to just go out and network. You know, my little joke to my broke at the time was like, oh, no loans, time, time to hit those streets, <laughs> time to get out there, start networking, and, you know, doing what you do to provide for your family. All right. Now, I, I love it because what you do directly impacts people's net worth. Absolutely. Right. And, and can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So so for you, because um, I, I got some questions. There's a lot of conversations going on around about whether people should own or, hey, you shouldn't own. You should only rent. And I, I, I want to <laughs> get your take on that. Right. Uh, that's an open loop for y'all. Right. We come back to that in just one second. But 
Why do you think real estate is so important to building generational wealth? Oh, well, that's the big, the, the biggest reason for the wealth gap um, for um, blacks is really home ownership. Mm -hmm. um, so many people actually got their start. I mean, we couldn't buy homes legally until 1968. Um, that's one of the reasons Martha's Vineyard is, so, I just bought a house there. That's one of the reasons Martha's Vineyard is so special to black people because you could buy in Martha's Vineyard um, in the, 1900s you I know, didn't know that. they didn't they didn't it was no they didn't they, they let you buy there so um home ownership is just so crucial it, it's just one of those things that when you die and you don't have a house to leave to your child what do you leave in them you know, you know, and and that's what's happened. We or you know, we have a house. I've got a two two story quick stories. One, I have a girlfriend. They bought a house. A father, a grandfather was a veteran in Brooklyn. Ten thousand dollars, bought it in like nineteen sixty whatever. How much do you think that house is worth now in Brooklyn? A million at least. Probably last time they checked, it was one point seven. Wow. From a ten thousand dollar investment. Wow. You know, my my childhood friend, a friend of mine who grew up in Alpharetta, they weren't rich and they lived on Cricket Lane and she sold her childhood home to a developer for a million dollars. But if you're not in the game, and I think that's one of the things that I really want to stress to people so many times, you know, we had the mortgage meltdown and your yeah, mortgage imploded and, you know, they were in bad loans, but people were also in things that they couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need a four bedroom, you know, three and a half bath to start. Because the bottom line is I'd rather own a three, three, a three, two than run a four, four. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You right. have to start somewhere. So a lot of times with people, I just say, this is just your stepping stone. Think about anybody who bought before 2020, anybody who bought 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, their equity went up like, like overnight. Instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Instantly. I mean, it was like in 2021, I think everybody had at least 50,000 in equity, if not more, yeah. you know, from just buying, you know, two years ago. So to me, it's just crucial to always buy. That is really the quickest way to transfer generational wealth. Yeah, and, and what you talk about is so good. I think, uh, when I think about it, I think people are always looking for the quick hit, right? And when they, I think, you know, to me, I think when they look at home ownership, you know, it's like, ah, it's so, so long. But one of the things I always tell my kids, I'm always telling my team, employees, and anybody younger than me, is that them 10 years, them 20 years, them 30, go like that. And, and one of my biggest regrets, I bought a new construction town home when I was 21 years old. You sold it? I sold it. And then later on, one time I was talking to my oldest daughter and I was, you know, telling about me when I was younger and I went and looked up that property. How much? And, you know, I bought it for, I think, like 120 At the mm -hmm. time, it was like 250 And this was, this probably been like five, 10 years ago. So now it's probably like three, exactly. three, 400,000. Exactly. But the thing that hurt the most, when I looked, it looked like the young lady, it was a uh, young lady that was a single mom that bought it from me. It looked like she still owned it. And she's writing it out. And she's written it out. <laughs> and the thing is, my original mortgage would have been done by now. Yeah. And when I look at it, it don't feel like it was that long ago, right? Like at the time, right, right, it was right. like, oh, you know, I got like this 30-year mortgage. I was paying the extra um, principal payment yep. on it. So you were every paying year that already. principal, so it was, you already do what was you're all, supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I feel bad. It's making me feel bad. I got I to change the topic. It's okay, it's okay. But it's a learning experience. It is, it is. It's it a learning is. experience. Because you were a perfect example of that first house to keep. 
that first house that maybe obviously at 21, 22, that wasn't your dream home, right. but you had the wherewithal at that age to let me buy something. Now, if you had to take it, taken it one step further, the next house, it's like you, I always tell people, even if you're thinking about buying another house, go ahead and get a home equity line available to you now wow. because not to get like technically into mortgages but your down payment cannot the only time your down payment can be a loan is secured property so mm. you can use your equity from one house to buy another house and that's important okay. too so that, that that would have been another way so i always tell people you know get a home equity line when you don't need it when your credit is good yeah. when the money's there just have it so you have access to your equity when you need it yeah and i'm, I'm glad it hurt but i'm glad i shared it with, with the viewers absolutely because a cautionary tale right like taking at the time because i was there like maybe four years before i moved to something at the time, what I might have gotten was like 20K by the time, right. you know, we sold, the by the time, fees, the realtor fees yeah, yeah. and everything, I might have got 20K. But taking that 20K up front cost me 200K at least, right, in my net worth over, you know, the next few decades, which, again, feels like a blink of an eye. I can remember the day I went to the, I can remember picking out all the stuff, you know, and at the time, now it seems so far away. But life moves fast. Well, and here's here's another quick hack, really quick um, for for everybody. Um, school just let out, um, and now we've got summer coming up. We've got all our kids going off to mm -hmm. college. So this is what I say to adults, and this is only for fiscally responsible adults. I have to do that disclaimer. Right. Like if you all jacked up, don't jack up your kids. <laughs> Leave them alone. Let them find their way. Okay, give them some financial books to read. But what you should do is immediately put them on two of your credit cards as authorized users. I I recommend when they graduate. You know, people start to at 14 and all exactly. of that. I'm not into that legally, technically we could. No 14 year old needs a credit card. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just let them start building credit legit when they graduate from high school. After two years on their, two, that first year as two authorized users, third year, excuse me, second year, get them their own card. Now they're in college, the freshman year, sophomore year. Now junior year, mm -hmm. they've got credit. But Where's their job? Their school's their job. So you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna buy your son or your daughter their first co their first townhouse or house as, now they're the non-occupant, you're a non-occupant co-borrower, mm -hmm. so they get to put 3% down or 3.5% down as a first time home buyer. Down payment is low. Interest rate is the current market. It's not higher because it's investment. Now, they're a junior in college. They've got their roommates paying their mortgage. And when they graduate, now it's family decision time. Family decision time is, are we going to hold on to this and run it to other college students? Or are we going to sell it? And now you, you know, because if you, let's say you go to Clark or Morehouse mm -hmm. or Spelman, do you want to stay in Atlanta? Uh, I don't. Okay, well, take that money and go. You can sell it and go buy your own house, but you've built their credit. Um, you built their credit. You built them equity, and then now, now they're living for free in a college town. Mm. So I think that's one of the biggest things that people can do, and that, that really correlates to your story right. because it's the same thing. At the end of those two years, now it's the parent and the child's decision. What are we going to do with this house? I love it. I love it. Now, now, what would you say? Because, um, like I said, a lot of conversation I see on the internet now mm -hmm. is based around, hey, it's bad to own. Like home ownership is bad, 
home ownership, you know, because then you got to take care of stuff if it breaks, then you got to take care of, you know, it's cost you all this extra money. You'll never realize the, the oh value and potential of it. Have you heard these conversations? I've heard it, but I don't understand it. I mean, the bottom line is I really feel bad for people who have never owned and now they're 70 and mm. 80. And it's like they're 70, they're 80, and number one, they're in the same place that they've lived yes. and there's no equity there's nothing to leave to anyone so to say don't buy because it's uh, I, I just I can't even you know like my mind can't even compute yeah. that because to me like how is not owning something a good thing you mm -hmm. can't take it with you anyway when you go right so let's just say you didn't buy anything but now you have all this cash what are you gonna do with the cash mm -hmm. you can't take that with you either you know what I mean? So yep. to me, I, I would always, I, you know, I always recommend people to, that they, they need to buy. You know, I, I don't see any reason. I mean, if you're coming to a state and you don't know how long you're going to be there, maybe two, three years. But to me, if you have the money, it could still be your first investment property. Yeah. That's true. You know, just get a property manager to own it so that you're not feeling all emotional if the people don't pay their rent. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but I just feel like you should own. I think that's the biggest, like I said, I just think that's the biggest wealth gap that, that we don't have is because we don't have that house that was our grandmother's, our, you know, our great-great-grandparents, so you know. And, and touching on two things, uh, or two things touching on what you said earlier, the fact that a lot of people, I know, uh, assume that the black community is looking for handouts. But as you mentioned, like, like a lot of generational wealth in this country was built off of coming out of the Great Depression, the big deal. Absolutely. Right, can we talk about that a little bit, right? Because really white Americans were given access absolutely. to loans could, and home ownership. Absolutely, I mean, have you ever seen The Banker on? Yeah. I mean, The Banker was one of my favorite movies and it just really showed, number one, that was commercial real estate. So that's mm -hmm. really where the real money is. That's a whole other story. That was commercial real estate. But if it was, it was necessary what happened to them because, you know, I'm a Romans 828 girl. What happened to them, although they lost all of that wealth, they the Fair Housing Act mm -hmm. was, was passed in 1968. So, but, you know, discrimination still it's takes, exist. it still exists. And that's one of the reasons I opened up my mortgage company is because I just got so tired of, you know, seeing, like, why are rates, like, mm. your rate should not be higher based on your color your skin right. you're the respect level that you receive you know i just i would just literally hear co-workers talking to people like they were doing them a favor and i'm like yeah this isn't yeah. this isn't right you know and i'm a mental i take mental notes i'm not i'm not a victim I mean, we everybody can you know we all have stories of racism mm -hmm. a promotion you didn't get an account you didn't get but i just take mental notes and because i don't believe in burning bridges mm -hmm. so there's not one person in the last you know 18 years in atlanta that i work for that would not hire me again or that if i see them they will not give me a hug and say oh my goodness tanya yeah so good to see you blah 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 and i'm like mm-hmm but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean because it's just important for us to own and it gives security um, to children if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur a black business owner and you don't know where to go if you feel like you're alone if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to that gets how you feel or gets the pressures of being a business owner in today's climate guess what we do I want to introduce you to the traffic sales and profit mastermind now in the TSP Mastermind, we have a 12-month program that's going to help you reach your next six, seven, or eight figures in business. Over the course of a year, 
Now, along that year, we have one-on-one -on -one coaching. We have accountability. We have community. We have live events and everything you need in order to reach the next level. For more information, visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com. Like I think, I think home ownership is really yes to pass on to generational to, for generational wealth, but also the stability and security that it gives a child mm -hmm. when they know that it's their house yes. is a whole different feeling, and it's a whole different and it's pride, and that, and that's why a child really doesn't care if it's a a, a four bedroom, mm -hmm. three and a half bath, blah blah blah, or a three-bedroom, two-bath, but that's your room. This is yeah. our land. This is our house. That's a whole different kind of pride than, you know, Mr. Walker's coming by on the 5th to pick up his rent money. Yeah, that's good. You know, a lot of what you're talking about, it makes me think about education. Yes. Right? And, and a lack of uh, education a lot of times, because in a lot of spaces, like, we are still, like, first-generational of ownership, right? Yes. And kind of starting over. And, and I think it's important not to start from scratch. Um, you know, I often talk about the fact my grandmother uh, and my grandfather, they owned a home in Alexandria, Virginia, Northern Virginia. Ooh, that's which, money, honey. Yeah, go which ahead. Is money. <laughs> but, um, you know, they bought it in the 50s um, for very little money, right? Because it was a black area town, of course. But as we know, all the black area towns eventually turned back old. And my, and my, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of, my grandfather, who was um, from, you know, uh, Madison County, Georgia, down here, um, eighth grade education, worked construction his whole life had paid that home off by the time he passed. Wow. But um, lack of education around real estate and wealth Taxism. building, mm -hmm. um, not just tax, my grandmother did reverse mortgage on that home. See, I'm, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I. Yeah. And so can we, yeah, can so. Can we talk so, about reverse mortgage? About that. Yeah, let's that? talk about it for a second, right? Because, okay. you know, what happened is we ended up, when she passed, no one could, no one had the money to pay for that home, but it was a home that was already paid off. And the money that my grandmother got for it, she didn't even need the money. She just was... It was just someone spoke to her and exactly. said, what are you doing? Well, you know, I personally, this is one thing about me. I don't sell anything I don't believe in. And I don't believe in reverse mortgages. If, if someone um, wanted me to do a reverse mortgage for them and they had a really good reason, I would have to sit down and say, okay, give me this exit strategy for this reverse mortgage. Who in your family knows about this reverse mortgage. When you when you pass, where where's the paperwork to the bank? Because it, it's six, it, it, it give you six months to get it, to buy it back from the bank, which is crazy, mm -hmm. um, buy it back from the bank, and then they'll do an extension, but even then, people just like, they literally just give the bank, the house, the house to the bank. Exactly. And, and I just feel like reverse mortgages, my, my parents own a two-family house in Jamaica, Queens. Could they use the money? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather go on the loan, like a non-occupant, co-borrower, get some equity out, opposed to ever doing a reverse mortgage. Right. Because reverse mortgages are really, they're, they're I just don't like them. So I'm ne you're never going to hear me say, even, even me saying have the two people there that know. I'm, yeah. You can hear how uncomfortable I am yeah. because I just don't think it's a good product. I think that if, if you have to do a reverse mortgage for, if your mother or father has to do a reverse mortgage, then the family needs to get together and say, okay, who's got the best credit 
and right. the most income that we could be, because even Fannie Mae allows you to go on a loan for with a parent for at 95% loan to value if you were buying it or refinance if they can't take care of themselves. Mm. So there are ways, there are programs out there without doing a reverse mortgage. There are programs out there for if your parents are older and it's time for them to sell their house or rent their house and now you want them down here with you but not necessarily in your house. They're right. still kind of independent. Fannie Mae lets you do it's a 95%, 5% down conventional loan, and it looks like it's owner-occupied, and it's like it's, it's killing two birds with the one stone. You're taking care of your parents, and then you're also mm -hmm. still building wealth through real estate. I love, can you tell, for people that may not know what a reverse mortgage okay. is, Okay, so a reverse mortgage is really either you own your house free and clear or your mortgage amount is very small, and then it, it's a reverse. They give you the equity out now and so instead of waiting till you pass away to give it that's how they that's the spiel that they give exactly. you don't leave it to your family members spend your money um and then what they do it, it's very it's uploaded um in fees so they make all their money up front and then every month either you can get a lump sum or every month they were paying your grandmother mm -hmm. and you know hindsight's 2020 you know what i mean i think exactly. i think you you hit the nail on the head it's just not knowing it just sounds good it's like oh we'll reverse let's exactly. get our money and now she's older somebody yeah, talked to her exactly somebody talked and, to her she filled out the paperwork and 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 that was it i did one with um a grandmother and it was two brothers and and I'll never forget their last name, Middlebrook. So if they're listening, I don't remember their first. I think one of them was Abraham. But I never forget there were two brothers, and I was determined that they were we were going to get this house back, and we did. You know what I mean? But it was a lot of work, and then the stress on the family, and then who's putting their credit up, and when am I getting my money back? It's like oh. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love it. So again, right, just focus on the education and, and yep. us becoming more educated consumers. Yes, absolutely, right, absolutely, absolutely. Now, yep. Now, when we talk about home ownership, I know a lot of people are probably watching and saying, you know, that sounds good. I want to own a home, but what about now? Like interest rates are higher. Interest rates have gone up. You know, I'm I'm waiting and I'm on the sidelines. Like like. Well, you're going to be waiting on the sidelines for a while. Okay, number <laughs> one, interest rates at 2 3% during COVID were, that was, they, they were, um, what's for, uh, imaginary. They weren't real rates. They weren't, it, was, it wasn't real. It was what we needed to do to keep the economy going and moving. So to think that you're going to get rates 2 to 3%, you're not. Um, I was just telling the story that I bought my house in Alpharetta in 2000, January 2006. I closed. My pay two forty nine nine, um, and my rate was ten and hundred percent finance, and my rate was six and a half on the first interest only. Mm. Second, it was ten and a half, and asked me if I regret buying. Mm -hmm. You can't even buy. You can't buy anything in Alpharetta right now for two forty nine. <laughs> Not Nothing. at all. That's when you were saying that. I was like, yeah, and, and that was that was a four bedroom, you know, two and a half. Bath house, but even then I sacrificed. And I sound you're gonna be like, oh, you sacrificed. I wanted a basement so bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted a basement and I, you know, put, you know, I was in church, take the limits off, and <laughs> I put a, a contractor for three, three, I think it was 352, 350, and my mom said, you know, Tanya, me and your dad are real proud of you, but you know, two years ago we were helping you pay your rent. Mm. And that was her way of saying, so thank goodness, right. by compromise, and that's what you have to do when you're yep. buying a house. I'm not a realtor, but that's what you have to do. I did the master on the main. 
So I still got my kids always had upstairs to themselves. I always had downstairs, but that was my compromise. So that's the flip side. You can't always get everything you want in that first house. But do I regret? And then years later, I refinanced to a 15-year at 2.75. Wow. Yep. But you had it to refinance. I had it to refinance. Exactly. exactly. And then, and thank God I didn't get that house. That was 06. What happened in 08? 09. You know what I mean? Every, everything crashed. Every, the more, you know, everything imploded. You know, it was hard to do loans. The loan amounts were small. The Frank Dodd Act messed up your comp. Like, it was a lot going on. So, thank God I had the house for two forty nine, not the one for three three fifty nine. I love it. Good stuff, right? I, I was telling people, like, now is always the best time. Like, you got to get started. You got to get in the game. You got to get moving, especially, like, especially when it comes to real estate. Absolutely. And yeah. there's, no, there's really no bad time. I mean, if you think about even 9, 10, 11, 12, when, you know, everything's, you know, houses were 60,000, 50,000, you know, you regret. You don't think I don't regret not buying <laughs> back then when Fannie Mae had 10% investor. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I look back and I'm like, oh, but you know what? You have to start where you are. You got to take those lessons, learn from them. Like, yeah. I guarantee you, I know what I know. one of your kids, when they go to college, when they're a junior, they, you're going to be buying something for them exactly. and making that decision. And, and that's why I look at it too, right? I say that, hey, you know what? I made that mistake. But that was my job to make sure my children are Exactly, exactly. And, and because somebody, you know, as long as we learn from the things absolutely, that happen. Like absolutely. things happen in life all the time. As long as we learn from them. Exactly. Learn from, or let other people learn from us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that That's the flip side, too, is that some of the lessons that we, it's like, I wish I'd have just learned that from Lamar and I had to go through <laughs> it myself. But that's that's life, too. I love it. Now, um, you know, if somebody's watching, they say, okay, this is good. I want to get moving. I want to get started. If they're a first-time home buyer mm -hmm. and they're, they're trying to figure out, like, what are the steps and what's the process sure. for them actually getting funding for an actual home? What does that look like for them? I would say first-time home buyer, first thing you need to do is really look at your budget. You know, fits, realistically, where do you feel comfortable with your monthly mortgage payment? Because I think the biggest thing that's happened to Atlanta that's so un, that's really horrible is that we just really don't have middle class anymore, you know? And mm -hmm. when I say middle class... You know, I bought my house for two forty nine. You know, where are you buying? You know, my school's Chattahoochee, Taylor Road, Abbotts Hill. You know, where are you buying for two forty nine now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you give up and you don't buy. Just look at your budget. And so right now, rent in Atlanta is ridiculous. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's paying at least two thousand for rent, no matter where you where live you in. Are, yep. So you're paying really between two and two and three thousand for rent. So that probably gives you around a to around a $300,000 sales price, but I would start with my budget, then I would look at my credit, get away from Credit Karma, run. Credit Karma mm. is there to sell you, they recently just got sued, they're there to sell you stuff. They're not there, I mean, it's great for credit monitoring if you yeah. wanna see if something happened, but if you wanna know your real score, you have to go to myfico, M-Y-F-I-C-O.com, my FICO paid a $29 and it's going to give you all your scores. So you're going to see your two, four and five mortgage score. And so you say, okay, so you know that if I pull your credit, if your mortgage score on my FICO was 742, that's your mortgage score. On Credit Karma, if your score was 742, if you have a high score like a 742 at Credit Karma, it's probably a 680. Mm. It's probably a 680, 690, maybe seven. But if you've got a 580 on Credit Karma, when I pull you, you're probably going to be about a 540. 
Okay. Which is wow. why my FICO is so important. Yeah. So you want to you want to do that. You want to list make sure your credit. I I really say for FHA you really want a 640 score. Um, conventional goes down to 620, but um, you know mortgage insurance, which if you're not putting 20% down, you have what's called private mortgage insurance, and mortgage insurance is based on credit score. So just because you can qualify with a 620, honey, that MI is going to be so high, mm -hmm. you, you're not going to be able to go conventional. You know what I mean? Yep. So I would say 680 for conventional, 640 minimum for FHA is where you should just start. And then you should just start getting all your documents ready. Just think of everything in twos. You know what? They're going to need my last two years of W-2s. They're going to need my pay stubs. They're going to need my bank statements. They're going to need my ID. My biggest thing is it can really be a smooth process but you have to have all your documents in in order and legible don't start with the screenshots like yeah. you know people will say to me oh my gosh Tanya that was so easy you know I could take credit but I also got to give you credit too mm -hmm. you know I got to give you credit that when I asked you for something you gave it to me right away you know uh, that you know you've got to give the home buyer credit too it's not all the loan officer because just like when a deal can go haywire at the end if I've been asking for something for two weeks and you get it to me two days before closing and now that's not what we need you know you can cause yourself a lot of angst in the process if you if you just take your time to look at your goal if you're in a lease right now when is that lease up just start setting your goals, you know, just start setting your goals. And then if you need, if you think about your down payment, you know, with down payment and closing costs, you're probably going to need like 20000 Then systematically say, how much do I have to save every pay period? And go open up an account at a credit union that you can't see, you can't use, you can't touch. And just let the money start building. Mm, that's so good. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, too, um, you probably, because you, you uh, focus Primarily Georgia and Florida? Georgia and Florida. Georgia and Florida, right. But I do all, I do um, through, um, and see, I'm just one of those people, I'm just completely transparent. So I'm licensed in Georgia and Florida, but I do have a relationship with the bank so that I can do 32 other states. So I okay. can do California, Texas, et cetera. Although MCCA is getting licensed in those states, I do have ability to do them in other states now. Okay. But me, as a lender, I'm in Florida and Georgia. That's awesome. Because I was going to mention one of the other things that just experience we ran into sure. in the past was realizing that if we went to a bank and either they said no or they didn't have favorable terms, that that didn't mean oh, absolutely. everything was over, right? But like, like even that was the thing we had to learn, you know. And well, even, so even when our last song, we, we went to someone and they... Um, you know, they won't give us the money, but like the interest rate was a lot crazier than we thought and everything like that. And, you know, called a friend, referred to somebody that's went to them, and they were able to get the whole thing done, few percentage points less. Yeah, I know. And well, move it through. I, you know what it is? It really is, it really is, brokers are better, you know? Um, and that is really the, the, the reason that we're better than a bank is because, number one, you have to remember all the big banks lost their shirts during they don't yeah. want to do mortgages i mean they don't they they have to say that they do you know uh private wealth i mean if you if you're doing jumbo you know they're going to take really good care mm -hmm. of you but just you know jane and johnny they're really they're, and the process is so cumbersome it's so long yeah. it's one department where if you go to a mortgage broker you could easily 
Number one, your approval process is going to be faster and you're going to close faster and then you have more options. And, yeah. you know, and the nice thing about being a broker is sometimes, you know, you didn't realize something until the underwriter saw it and you're like, okay, well, that underwriter, the next underwriter didn't see it because I can move it. You know what I yep. mean? Opposed to if you're at a bank and you get denied, now you're just denied. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you're denied and now you got to start all over where if something happens in the broker world and I'm like, ooh, okay, let's let's move it here. Uh, we, we, we've, we've got some options. And then also because we're brokers, we can control really um, the overhead. And that's that's mm. another thing too. I mean, rates are rates, but you, all, all rates are not created equal. You know, all, all companies are not created equal when it comes to interest rates as well. All right, that's so good. Now I want to switch gears for a second. Sure. Because also now you've been helping um, other entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs actually get into the mortgage loan industry. Yes, yes. Um, like, like what was behind that? And can you tell me a little bit more? Well, what was behind that? So I created a course for new loan officers. It's six months to six figures. And the reason that I created the course is because I had a gentleman come work for me and he was newly licensed and just listening to him take, he'd been in the business for like six months and just listening to him take the application, I was like, whoa, it was kind of like, oh, Lamar, name, address. And he went to where you work, then he went to your social. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes. So I realized that when you get licensed with your, you get your NMLS license, you're like, ooh, yeah, I've got my license. But nobody really teaches you how to take an application, mm -hmm. how to talk to your client, how to read, um, you know, a credit report. So that's why I created the course and I named it Six Months to Six Figures because you're 100% commission. And if you were yeah. like me starting out, you didn't have time to, you know, you needed to hit the ground running. Yeah. So I even included a 30-day jump start to help them go out and get business. So, cause I'm, I'm very much, um, I don't like passive activity. You know, I, I don't like knocking. Um, I don't like putting flyers on doors, mailing stuff to the post office. I don't even really like giving my card opposed to taking my, I'll always give my card, but I will always take the card. Mm -hmm. Because if you take the card, you're the one in control. You're yeah. the one with the follow-up. If you just give out 100 cards every day, now you got to wait for 100 people maybe to call you. Exactly. Opposed to if you get 100 cards, you got 100 people to call. Very good. So how can I get a hold of the course? So you can go online. It's MadisonChaseAcademy.com. Um, and my company and my school are both named after my children. So my daughter is Madison and my son is Chase. Once again, back to that generational wealth and exactly. inheritance. That's, legacy. Leg that's what legacy is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Well, uh, Ty, I want to thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for sharing oh, with the audience. Oh, it's so fun. It's so good. <laughs> you said so many things. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, hopefully y'all got tons of nuggets out of today's episodes. And don't forget, the main thing is for you to take action. Get off the sidelines, get into the game. Every episode we do about real estate, always say that you have to get started now, right? Make sure you watch. You might need to watch this episode again because <laughs> it was that good and so much in it. This is Lamar Tyler, founder of Traffic Sales and Profit Show. We'll see you next week with another amazing episode. The Combo. Your home for conversations on black entrepreneurship and wealth. Available on your favorite platforms.